large place. It's larger than our own, real, our own definition of village, actually. Many people think their village is just their friends and, and uh, you know, their culture and their community, but it's larger than that. And we said that our village, the real village, is the whole earth. You remember that, some of you? Okay, the other things that, the other uh, aspect of it is that in this village, obviously, that village will be now a narrow place, a place that, you know, belongs to you mostly because you cannot live in th- throughout the whole earth. You live in a particular community now, right? And then, so, it's a place of nurturing, so where you can be nurtured and, and be blessed by, by the community at large and by your particular group of people too. And then uh, we move into the, the next one, which is uh, the village is a place where greatness is welcoming. We said that w- greatness was not in comparison or competition. It was more like the type of greatness that the Lord has provided for you and for me in a unique way. Like, for instance, you know, um, my friend here, Phil, is meant to be great in a particular way that I'm not. Because I'm not him and he's not me, so we were meant to be that kind of person that will bless God, honor God by being ourselves, by being the type of person that we are. But we have to give it the best. And when you give it the best, then you become that great person that you are supposed to be. Because, you know, as the dad or the mother, it will be the son or the daughter. Right? Kind of? Okay. Maybe. Um... But anyway, so today, I also like to enlarge this conversation, continue to span the conversation, and talk about that in the village that we're talking about, questions are important. And, and I'd like to talk to you about, go for the, lar- for the bigger question. What is the big question that you haven't asked, that you need to ask? You know, and I did something within my office, you know, um, some time ago. Can you see this? Some people is looking at it, what, are you, what, what did you do? <laughs> Ask the question. I know some of you with the face are already asking the question. But um, I have a friend and a, and a sister in our church who, she asks questions, my friends. And that's Joanna, right? Joanna Velasco. You want to come? You know, tell me, you Okay. Okay, there you go. Good. So, Joanna, tell me, what were we doing today with other groups of uh, uh, people, other people that were in my office? What were we doing? Preparing for communion. And then what happened? What was the first thing that you did when you entered the room? I was distracted as usual, and I looked over at your plant, and I said, why do you have coffee stirrers stuck in your plant? And what did I say? That's a good question. I'll answer it. Okay, thank you so much. I will answer it. Thank you. So, so, you know, this is a very nice plant, actually, a very nice thing, um, and a beautiful base, you would say? Oh, there you go. Anyways, um, but it doesn't look that great, right, with those things in there. You know, do you know, do you want to know why I, ha- I, I have done this? Yes. Good. The reason why, <laughs> the reason why I've done this is because every time that I want to drink coffee 
and I'm at the office, I need to use one of those. Yeah, exactly. And you know, one day I thought, hmm, I wonder how would that look like next to a plant? <laughs> and I did it, and I did it, and it, it, it dawned on me how much we are, how much coffee I'm drinking, <laughs> and, and, and how much trash I'm, trash I'm producing, especially this one here that will only be gone in 100 years. And then this is fascinating because since then, since I realized this, that this image was talking to me, because I did that on purpose, obviously, I said, I'm not going to use those things anymore. So I'm going to save it. I'm going I'm to skip that. I'm not going to use it. And I'm going to have to be creative in order for me not to use those things. And I've been. Say that again. Black coffee. coffee. (laughs) That could be one idea. Uh, And other ideas, okay? (laughs) But one of them using a metal spoon. And wash it. And if you go, Joanna probably didn't have enough time to look around, probably. Only dare to ask one question, whatever. But there is another uh, it's a cup there, and I put there one of those, one of this that I got from a Chinese restaurant, but not this one. Yeah, yeah, you go. You know what I'm thinking, right? <laughs> yeah, just one. And I'm using it and, and washing it. You probably don't like that. You don't have to do it. <laughs> okay, but this helps me ask myself, what am I doing with the earth? What is it that I am doing with earth, planet earth? Am I taking care of it or I'm trashing it? Now, you don't don't have to do this in order to remind yourself that something is going on, right? Can I put it right here? See, I don't want to keep it in my hand. Um, Because that's what we're doing. And so the question that we ask to ask ourselves, what is it that I'm doing with my life? It's an important question. But going for the bigger question, according to the, to the gospel of Luke, is something about thinking what you're hearing from the gospel and from the prophet, in this case, John the Baptist, he's talking to a large crowd. You know, he's, he was really weird, by the way. If you, if you look at the guy from what the Bible says, he dressed up in a very particular way that I'm not sure I can imitate. You know, I'm not really sure if I can do that to call your attention. I can do that with the plan, but not with myself, maybe. But he dressed up with a camel suit, let's say, and uh, he ate that, that kind of stuff that he ate, and he was kind of different. Nevertheless, According to Jesus, he was the most powerful prophet that ever lived, right? Now, that's, that's a lot because Moses is regarded as the most influential prophet within the Hebrew community. But Jesus says, said, 
Well, that's a good idea, but I think John is the greatest man that ever lived. Wow. And then John is talking in chapter 3 of Luke. We will see that as he talks, the crowd, the people that are listening to him, asking a question and said, what shall we do then? Because his message is really powerful. And then he, they ask, what shall we do then? The crowd asked, you want to read it with me? John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has, and anyone who has food should do the same. Now, you, want, you, you, ha, you, want, you have a question, here's the answer. I really like this prophet. He knew what to say. He was ready. And the answer was, if you happen to have two shirts or food or whatever, share it. Okay? With anyone that has none. So in, in this prophet's mind, there is no excuse for somebody to be out there without any food or without any clothing. Are you following me? But so he's talking about solidarity, right? He he wants people to to feel other people's pain and to see other people struggling or struggles and, and, and they they do something about it. You know, in this information era, we can accumulate more knowledge that we actually can practice. Right? How many of you know many things? Raise your hand. I know. You know many things and you will know more. Because we have, you know, we just have to click it. Or tick it. Right? You click it. You click, just click it. That's it. But I wonder why we have so much information and the world is not changing that fast either. And we, we, we have more and more people living in poverty, even in America. I'm surprised when I, when I go to San, San Diego or San Francisco or L.A. or you name it, how many people are on the streets begging looking really down because they don't have enough food or enough clothing or house whatsoever, a house, right? But I believe the prophet is telling us we need more solidarity around here. Are you making sense with that? More solidarity. And for him, it's practical. It's not an idealistic uh, thinking of, Oh, I would love to have more so that I can share. No, he said, whatever you have, you can share it. Wow, I'm amazed by the way he says. He doesn't say, if you have three or four, feel free to do this. No, he said, if you have what? Two. More than one. And if you have more food, than you normally will be able to eat, it's about time to share it. So that's solidarity. My friends, you don't have to be either or a wealthy person or a very powerful person in order to, in order to change other people's lives. You only have to use whatever you got. 
whatever. How many of you have at least two shirts? <laughs> yeah, right? And how many of you have go back to home right now and we have at least canned food? Can. Right? Well, according to this person right there, sure it. And me too. Number two, even tax collectors came to be baptized and they said, teacher, they asked, what should we do? Now they do this, what should we do? They, he said, read with me, do, do not collect any more than you are required to, he told them. Right? Integrity. It's pretty easy to want more. You know, maybe you don't need more, but it's, it's pretty easy to want more. I want more. And it's really dangerous sometimes to want more because wanting more could represent that you might have to break the law in order to get out more, right? Like under the table things, for instance, or whatever. But according to the prophet, they were, they were okay if they were, do, if, they were collect, if, they were, if they were collecting the monies of the people, you know, the taxes, but don't collect more of what is required. It's pretty easy to do that uh, in a different way. Like, for instance, you know, I don't know if you ever been in this situation when you buy something and somebody, you know, the cashier probably gives you $100 or $10 or $20 more of what you are supposed to get back. And it's easy to think about the money being yours because it's a gift. <laughs> it's a gift. Take it. Right? And it's pretty easy to go that way and say, well, eh, I probably need those $10, or 20 or 50 or whatever. But integrity is not just that you behave well. You know, many people think that being a person of integrity means that you are behaving really well. Well, that's a good thing, but integrity is that none of your life, no, no piece of your life is broken to the, to, the, to, the, to the point that you don't know what it is. For instance, if you say that you will only get, you know, let's say $100 per hour, and you find a way to get $150, but you're committed to $100 only, but you find a way to get $150 under the table, that's no integrity because you, you are breaking your own commitment. So lack of integrity is breaking your own commitments. When you break your commitments, you don't have integrity because integrity is having all the parts together. Are you with me? So, we are called to have integrity. Third one, the same soldiers. Now, now some soldiers, look, the crowd, the tax collector, now some soldiers ask him, and what should we do? He replied, don't ex money and don't accuse people falsely. And be content with your pay. Now, if I tell you that, you're not going to like me. The last one. Be content with your pay. Right? 
I don't think you're going to be happy because you can always do more, right? But anyway, look, he's asking them to be accountable. You know, those powerful people, the soldiers, they were really powerful. They represent a really strong, amazing empire, really evil too. And, and they were asking that question, and what shall we do? He said, do not extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. Wow. So you know, in Jesus' time, um, in John's time, to the Roman, Roman soldiers, they could force a person to carry a law any Israelites, any person whatsoever, to carry a law, something for them for a mile. That was part of the law. So Jesus said, if somebody asks you to go with them one mile, meaning a soldier, just go with them. Amazing. Amazing. So they, were, they could do that. They could do that, whatever, they, whatever the prophet they sent. But he said, don't do that in a way that will dismiss, diminish, and destroy other people's lives. Don't accuse, don't extort, and do what, what else? And be content. Fourth, then the people, you look at this. The, the people now, they listen to, to whatever they were told the crowd, and then what the tax collector were told, and then the, the soldiers, and now they're wondering, right? Like you're probably wondering, what is this guy going to with this? Right? You've probably been thinking, well, some of you must say, what is this pastor going to? Alfredo, whatever. Um, the people were waiting expectantly, and were all what? In their hearts, if John possibly be Wow. So, in reality, the bigger question was not how to behave. Or the, the question was not only how to behave. The question was, is the Messiah here already? Is the Messiah here already? Because that represented so many good things for them. If that would have been the case. But I think... The problem that we have is that we don't get to ask the important questions. We just ask some questions. I like the word that they were wondering in their hearts. We wonder too much. We need to stop wondering and start asking those important questions. And one of the questions that they are asking in their hearts is, is this guy the Messiah? Is this prophet the Messiah? He doesn't look like, he doesn't dressed like, right? He doesn't eat like, but can he be the Messiah? We don't know. I think we need to be more transparent. We need to be able to ask those questions. You know, so many people is wondering so many things, and they are doing the same. Have you ever wondered about something? Have you ever asked that question? Sometimes. Have you ever asked your wife or your husband, do you really love me? Huh? Do you notice the word really? We need to ask those difficult questions sometimes. 
And then, let me ask you, let me tell you to do this. Next, please. I, I have spoken with the deacons, the elders, and the larger leadership of the church, and have given them something that I think is very helpful. It's not from the Bible, and it's not necessarily, not, it's not necessarily something that you can say, wow, this is gospel. But it's helpful. And it's this person by the name of Don Miguel Ruiz, he came up with these ideas that you should live a life based on his four agreements. One of them is be impeccable with your word. Number two, don't take anything personally. Number three, don't make us any assumptions. Don't wonder too much. Ask the questions. And number four, always do your best. And then I would like to emphasize the number three, the third one, which is don't make any assumptions. You know, find the courage to ask questions and to express what you really want. It's not about wondering. It's about expressing your inner thoughts. Obviously, polish them because they, some of them could not be that great, you know. But you need to ask those questions anyways. Communicate with others as clearly as you can to avoid misunderstandings, sadness, sadness and drama. There's a lot of drama going on, even in the Christian circles. You know, there's a lot of drama going on at people's homes, at work, at school. You know, everywhere there is drama because people are assuming too many things. It's time to stop the drama and to start asking the questions. Go for the bigger question. And then, I know some people don't agree with number three. That's okay. number, number uh, C, the letter C. That's okay. Obviously, nobody can change their own life, their whole life, with just one statement or with one practice. But I will say it will save them a lot of headache and heartache if they do ask more questions appropriately. appropriately. Next one. I want to give you something to do today because we're going to do communion. I want to make sure you get this right too before we go to communion. The call to action, if you notice, is a short sermon, right? You like that one? Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> All right. First, I'm going to ask you to do this if you want. If you want. I hope you want. Practice intentional and respectful listening. It's so easy to be talking to somebody anybody, and looking at that person like you really are listening, but in your mind you're planning something else. Like, especially if this person is a difficult person to deal with, you're, still, you're already planning how to address this difficult person instead of listening to whatever she or he is saying. So instead of hearing their story or their arguments or whatever they are saying, we are in our mind, we have this committee in our mind telling us what to do if she or he says this, or what to do if she or, she or he says that. Instead of that, I would like to ask you to please, let's try to practice intentional listening and, res and, and with respect. Is that okay? Number two, I'd like you to pay me more attention to the script that you and I are writing in our, in our minds. Is it positive and creative, or is it negative and inappropriate? Hmm? Is it when you are, you are, you know, you are 
talking to some people or you are in a, in a, group, of, you know, in a group of people, are you, is your imagination telling you wild things? Or, or, or is your imagination telling you other things, like positive things and creative things? To be honest with you, the imagination is like the faucet, you know? You know what I'm saying, right? If you don't know, let's ask Phil. So our imagination is like, like a faucet. You open it, you turn it on or off, however you want it, whenever you want it, and hopefully you always get water. The same. If you really want to be creative, just allow yourself to be creative. You will see great results. Three, try asking questions for clarification. It's not, it's, not, it's not the same to say, Joanna, I know what you meant by you, what you say this. Instead of saying, you know, what do you really mean by this? Did you really say that? Or did I hear that right? I do that a lot because sometimes I'm talking to people even one-on-one, and I see the person is smiling and is like nodding and all that, and I'm, ask, and I'm thinking, well, maybe this person is getting it. And I ask the question, can you please tell me what do you, what do you hear? And the person tells me a totally different story. <laughs> and I'm always glad that I ask. Right? And the last one is pray more proactively as you work, drive, study, rest, and play this week. You, you can't pray when you are playing, can you? Or you cannot. Well, if you are playing something that is not really good, you, it's going to be really hard to, play, to pray. But normally, you can always pray when you play. I remember the first time at the seminary, my first seminary, <laughs> we, were, we have these soccer teams. And I don't know how, I don't know why we, I thought that if I pray more, we can win the other team. <laughs> that happened to be Christians too, and perhaps they were praying too. But you know what? What I learned as I did that, 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 that God doesn't have to be out of the equation just because I'm doing something that is not religious. It's so easy to take God out of the equation, right? Okay, I'm going to be doing this, for instance, especially if you go to Vegas and you're gambling, you don't want God in there, or do you? (laughs) Well, it's a problem because everything you do, obviously, is connected to the Lord. And God is not there to tell you, hey, what are you doing now? Are you playing? You should not be doing that. That's not the type of God that is in the gospel. It's a God that is telling you, whatever you do, remember that as the Father is good and perfect, you shall be also. And perfect is not like you don't meet, you don't, that you have everything all together. It's more like he knows who he is and why he does things. It's the same for you and me. You, we, you and I have to, be, have to know who we are and why we do things, whatever we do, right? All right, so can you do at least one of them? I'm, I'm not that naive. You're going to say, oh, yeah, one, two, three, four, let's do it. 
Anybody can try this. Just try, try, please. You will see a different week if you try some of that. Recently, I learned something in, that as I was watching a video, and I said, what about, what, how about if I try next tomorrow? I have a very important meeting that, that following day. It was not a church. It was at Presbytery level. <laughs> and then I, I tried practicing that. It, it was really interesting what happened. So practice. Try practicing it. All right? And as we now move into the communion table, I want you to ask yourself, when I do, when I partake of the communion table, what do I want to get from this? It's a question. Go for the question. What do I really want to get from here, from this? I'd like to do this right now and ask you to think about what Jesus meant when he said, this is my body and this is my blood. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity that we had this morning to, continue to worship you and to kind of have a di dialogue about questions and the questions that the prophet is asked and the answers that he gives. And now, as we transition into the communion table, we are asked to think about what is it that we want to get from the communion table? And what is it that Jesus wants to give us as we do this? Thank you, Lord. Help us to be proactive this week to ask those questions carefully, wisely, but to ask those questions. Help us to not to be just wondering, but just go and do what we need to do, Father. Help us not to be just information-oriented, um, uh, but also action-oriented. Help us to be real to ourselves, to live a life of integrity, accountability, transparency, and solidarity. We pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I'd like to invite the people who are going to be serving with me this morning. <clears throat>